630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, NBA Finals start soon. Phoenix and Milwaukee turning into a rough one for the Blue Jays. Now in the sixth, they trail Baltimore 7-1. The Orioles got five runs in the bottom of the fifth to take control of that game. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. A lot of discussion around Duncan Keith. Would you or wouldn't you try to make him a member of the Edmonton Oilers? What would you or wouldn't you give up in return for the soon-to-be 38-year-old who will be in the Hall of Fame someday, but how good would he be in the final two years of his contract with the Oilers? Good discussion. Appreciate everybody who uh, chimed in, and we'll circle back to that topic with Ben Pope, who covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Sun-Times. He's going to join us between 7.30 and 8. I am pleased to welcome back to the show the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. It is Chris Morris on the line. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, We got some cool stuff to talk about with you. I want to ask you this first. Um, I mean, I'm going to use the hockey topic as a jumping off point, but it's, it's sort of a general sports question. I mean, Duncan Keith is 38. Uh, There's a point in every pro athlete's life where it's, it's physically over for whatever reason they just can't anymore. Um, is that what happened to you when you retired or did you have uh, a moment where you were like, "Uh Oh, or what, what was your story as you, as you became a more seasoned athlete, shall we say? Yeah. You know, you get smarter as you get older and you can play the game differently. You don't need to be quite what you were physically at one point, but for everybody who's ever played, there comes a point where, and you know, for me, it was my knees. Like you just, I had 12 surgeries, right? And, and it was like, okay, <laughs> it's time to take a look at something here. You don't quite move the way you used to, right? And I think that's, you know, the, the tough part for teams because they want vets around. They want guys around that can lead. They want guys around who don't panic. They want guys around who understand, like, just the amount of raw work that has to go into to being a professional for a long time. Like, kids don't understand that. Young guys don't get that. Some of them think they do, but, you know, the more tenure guys you have around who understand how you have to work to stay around the league for a long time, the better your organization is going to be. And I, I, I just think when you get to playoff time, there, there's, guys who, there's guys who are pretty good players, and then there's hardened playoff guys, guys that just know what it takes. It's a different level in the playoffs. It's a, it's a different intensity. There's a different attention to detail. Everything changes. And if you don't have those guys around – you're probably not going to last very long in the playoffs. And I think that's where, you know, as an athlete, you can hang around a little bit longer than you probably should physically just because you bring that to the table. And people don't really understand the value of that, you know, until you don't have it. Well, I like how you explain that. So you're saying whether it's it's football or hockey or, or whatever, um, you know, there is there is some value to that whole he's good in the room thing. And sometimes I sarcastically say, well, that's fine, but if he sucks on the ice or on the field. It, but, if, but you're saying if a guy can still play at, at an acceptable level, then that good in the room thing does have some meaning. Well, the good in the room thing is, is, is great. And remember, like, there's a big difference, right, between – and you, you, I don't know, I'm not a big hockey guy, but you look at Tampa and, that, you know, had a guy sit out all year and he came back and he's playing in the playoffs. Like, if you can play in the playoffs and your team's good enough to get to the playoffs – those are the guys you want around. And if they're great in the room and you have to limit them a little bit, but then come playoff time, they're playing as part of your team. 
you're going to go a long way with guys like that as opposed to a bunch of young guys. And I just, young guys just make mistakes. And it's not that they're – it's not any fault of their own. It's not any fault of – it's just the, the byproduct of being young is that you just don't know as much. And you might be a little bit more athletic, but if you know – if you've seen something happen 10,000 times – and you can react quickly to it, it makes you just as fast as a younger player. And I just, you know, I kind of see it as, you know, having a young player around is a great thing because they bring that energy and enthusiasm. But what they do from a, what they do from a mistake standpoint compared to an older player, there's benefits to it. And sometimes the older player will get exposed because the young guy will get them on a one-on-one. But what you miss is a whole bunch of stuff where the younger player is you know he's making those mistakes and he's costing and you just don't see those things so in football i'm going to throw another one at you here i mean football to me is the most complex of all the team sports that can be played yep does it lots of guys lots of guys and and like some guys have completely different jobs right like a wide receiver will never really have to do what an offensive lineman does right (laughs) so that's the amazing thing i mean in in hockey even the lowest scoring defenseman is going to get a goal now and then right um so so in football does it have to be the quarterback or an old lineman or a linebacker? Like, can a receiver or a DB have that same impact in what you're talking about if they're a little farther away from where the, the play starts? Well, every, every position in football is very much intertwined with the other guys. So you put a young guy into an offensive line. So let's just, like, my second to last year with the Eskimos, we, we lost a couple of vets on the O-line, and we had some younger guys in there. And I'm telling you right now, those young guys we had in there were more athletic than the guys we lost. We got beat by stunts. We got beat by crowd noise. Didn't know how to respond to crowd noise. Didn't know how to set when you couldn't hear the snap count. Now panic sets in. That unit can't function at the same level with someone who doesn't understand. Same with someone in the secondary. We lost, I don't know if you remember, a long time ago, You know, we were in a Western final at home. Came out, Calgary goes in the six-pack. We have young, young guy in the secondary. Yeah, 2001. Yeah, get exposed. You know, yeah. and I'm telling you, if we had an old, <laughs> the guy could have ran a five-flat 40. But if we had if we had a Trent Brown back there, you know what I mean? Trent never ran a huge fast. But if we, had, you know, if we had a guy back there who <laughs> understood the game and could have got everybody where they needed to be, we would have been okay. And there's just, <laughs> again, you, you, people see an older player getting exposed once in a while because of the athleticism. They're like, oh, he's done. He's got to retire. But they don't see all the other stuff. They don't see the glue that they bring to the team the rest of the time. Yeah. Well said. More food for thought uh, on this topic and a bigger sports issue uh, for sure is, is how teams are assembled. I want to talk about how your team is being assembled, but U of A football made a really cool announcement a couple of days ago. We are excited to announce we have renamed our annual golf tournament in honor of Tom Wilkinson, and we have also created a new scholarship fund in order to recognize Tom for everything he has done for our program. It is the Tom Wilkinson Scholarship Fund. Uh, I mean, I mean, this is this is awesome. Just tell me about doing this and and honoring Tom in this way. Well, I just think sometimes it gets lost a little bit how much Tom Wilkinson did for, for Golden Bears football. Like, the, the program was on the verge of folding. In fact, it, had, it was going under if Tom didn't come aboard, get some people on board who wanted to contribute financially, start building and rallying the alumni around financial support for the program and get things going. Now, you know, 
on the field, it's, it, you know, it was, it was hard. He didn't, he, you know, he maybe not had the success that everybody was looking for there, but as a coach and as someone who brought things to the organization, goodness gracious, like the, the, the team wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And I think it's all part of our, you know, our ongoing sort of belief that we have to, you know, we have to build around our, our alumni. We have to build around our community here. We got lots of guys who love this program and they just need to be honored. They need to be brought back in and they need to understand how much they're appreciated in the Canadian game in Canadian university football. The team is as strong as its alumni support. And you can look at Calgary and Laval. They win consistently. They have the largest alumni support financially than anyone in the nation. And it's not even close. And those are the sort of things where, you know, if someone goes through a program, someone coaches with it, someone plays with it, and they do some good things, and no one ever no one ever recognizes those things. No one ever, you know, tells them how much they're appreciated for what they've done. That's where things don't go right. And I think, you know, reaching out to Tom and his family and to all the guys who played for him who loved him. And I'm telling you, man, you you can talk to guys, anybody who ever played for Tom Wilkinson loved him and knew how much he cared and how much he wanted for Golden Bears football. I just think it goes a long way to, again, just harmonizing everybody in the Golden Bears family and bringing them together. You know, Chris, uh, obviously I, I was a relatively uh, young kid when, when Tom was, was playing here, and uh, I believe he was, because early 90s, he would have been the coach, right? Like I was going to school U of A then, but like you said, they didn't have a great win-loss record, but as, as you put it, he kept the team going. I, I've got to meet him a couple times since I've been doing this job, and one of my most memorable segments is he and Heck Pothier came in one night, and we just did an hour in the studio and tom is just a blast and i will say this about tom he didn't want to talk about himself very much he, he wanted to talk about you know Warren moon and what warren did and he wanted to talk about the o-line and he said every old lineman who played on those five in a row teams should be in the hall of fame i think a couple are a few aren't and uh he was pushing for that hard yeah yeah and, and, you know it, when you think about tom and you think about like his impact here in the city like, how many people that have ever met Tom Wilkins would ever have anything bad to say about him? And I would say, you, you couldn't find anybody. The guy's, a, the guy's an unbelievable pillar of this community. The things he's done here are remarkable. You know, great with kids. Great when he was a professional here. One of the best, you know, one of the best players in CFL history. And, you know, the, 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 fact that we, the fact that we get to honor him and his legacy to the city and his, his legacy to the kids in this community, it, it's just a wonderful thing. And I, Tom's one of those guys, like, I, I have a lot of time and respect for people who aren't looking for their own little piece of accreditation. And, and Tom's never looked for that. He's always been a guy who just who did his thing. And, you know, when, when positive things were said about him, it was because of his actions rather than things that he was, you know, trying to draw to himself. Yeah, this is a great legacy for Tom as well. So the uh, the your your golden uh, the uh, Golden Bears uh, golf tournament going to be uh, is now named after Tom. It's Thursday, August twelfth, and then the Tom Wilkinson Scholarship Fund, and people can check that out at gbfalumni.com. And uh, I've retweeted those in the last couple of days if uh, people are looking for that as well. Chris Morris, head coach of the Golden Bears football team, on the line. Okay, I, I, I say this to you every time, but I mean it. We're almost there where we can actually talk about games, and I want to start getting some of your players on again. Nothing against you, but I like giving them some attention on the show too. Uh, you had a great recruiting class last year, didn't get to play. How is the uh, recruiting class this year, and how are you feeling about all these uh, rookies you might have on the team? 
Yeah, well, we were ranked first in the country this year, again, in recruiting. So, like, we got we got a really, really good thing going here. You know, I got a, a former former rough rider. It hurts my heart a little bit. Terry Basker working with us on our recruiting team and Russell Sheppy. We got a couple guys working with my staff and myself on recruiting. You know, we're all – all the guys who work with me pretty much are volunteer guys. And they've just done an unbelievable job sort of getting a reach out on social media and reaching out to players and scouting players even during this pandemic. So it's like – we got an incredible group of kids coming in here. We got two of the top linemen in the country that came right out of Calgary that we're bringing in here this year. They're going to, you know, they're, they're going to cement. We already had a strong offensive and defensive line, but these are young, big, big building blocks for us. Big 6'4", 280, 300-pound kids that are going to make a huge difference for us. So, you know, David Sick and Carter, Carter Stewart are the two kids I'm talking about, and they're just sort of the just a part of this this great recruiting class we have coming in so we're excited for the year before they didn't even get to play yet we're now you know we're, we're i'm just so excited right now like we're at the field at 6 a.m every day we have another group that goes at 6 p.m every day we got guys working we have 30 guys there canada day when it was 37 degrees at 6 a.m in the morning we had over 30 guys out working on foot field so we got tremendous buy-in right now from our team and they're working incredibly hard, and we got some great athletes that we're excited to, you know, we're excited to see what they can do. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that, and you kind of answered my next question if you could already work out. But things kind of get even more – I know in a quote-unquote normal year, there's often an exhibition game even at the end of August. I assume that's probably not the situation this year, but there are games in September, right? Yeah, so we have – so we're going to start camp August August 13th with our medicals and everything. And we do okay. have a preseason game, but it's not till September. So September 12th, we're going down to Medicine Hat. We're going to meet Regina halfway there and play them. So that'll be a great, great opportunity for a lot of our young guys to play, a great opportunity for our old guys to, you know, shake off some of the rust and uh, sort of springboard into our season. Then, you know, the, a couple of weeks later, we open up against UBC here at home. So we're, uh, we're fortunate. I don't know how many teams are, are going to get to play a preseason game this year, but we're fortunate to be one of the ones that is. Okay. Well, I look forward to that, Chris, and, and thanks for filling us in about the, the Tom Wilkinson Scholarship Fund and about uh, naming the golf tournament after him. Th- that is awesome, man. All the best. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks very much, man. Talk to you soon. Chris Morris, head coach of the University of Alberta Golden Bears football team. He has been uh, busting his butt recruiting, trying to build that program. Certainly made some strides in the last couple of years, uh, well, a couple of seasons in which they played and hopefully playoff bound again this year and uh, really awesome stuff in uh, to honor uh, Tom Wilkinson, an important part of Golden Bears football history. It is 20 after seven. We'll call a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on. Steph Leopard. NBA Finals underway. I kind of have the TV at an awkward angle here in the basement. I might I might have to figure something out here. But it is 12-10 for Milwaukee, leading Phoenix five and a half minutes into the first quarter. 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. Roland says Duncan Keith would have been far more effective in the playoffs compared to Tyson Berry. The Oilers had little power play opportunities, and Berry is not a five-on-five playoff D-man. So moving forward, I would take Duncan Keith. 
Mike says, since when do the Oilers start signing contracts with geriatric players? All right. And uh, Brent was hoping we would name the goat Screech. We named him Cheddar. Angry Uncle Helen. My goodness. There is the, that is quite a handle. Angry Uncle Helen, who also signed off uh, his or her text. If, you, if you're Uncle Helen, I don't know how you identify uh, gender-wise. Uh, signed off with XOXO. Hugs and kisses coming in. So uh, Angry Uncle Helen is angry but sends me hugs and kisses, which okay. is a true honor. He says, I think you should name the goat Trader, T-A, or sorry, T-R-A-D-E-R, Trader, not Traitor. And then Angry Uncle Helen says, every trade announcement can start with his alert. At least it'll give Oilers fans something else to be annoyed with and take their minds off Duncan Keith. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, we haven't really assigned uh, Cheddar's uh, familiar screech to any particular part of the show sometimes we just play it for no reason right kellen yeah could you imagine though just having it as like hey uh alexa can i get the what? 630 shed uh, trade alert mm. <laughs> that would be that would be a great alert for people to have on their phones you could or because when when someone calls you or texts you can't you assign a specific ding to it i've never done that my phone I, but some can't phones you, you can certain, yeah yeah right so it's like Oh, your phone would just go off, you know, and your buddy says, like, ah, it's my wife again. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the goat has been named Cheddar, and uh, we're sticking with that, and it'll make periodic appearances here on Inside Sports. I like it. Bring joy to all of us. Okay, we got to do the news and weather, and then Ben Pope's going to come on the show to tell you a little bit more about how Duncan Keith looked in Chicago this past season. Ben covers the Hawks for the Chicago Sun-Times, and we will do Name the Animal before 8 o'clock this evening. Thanks for tuning in. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The NHL season could end tomorrow. The Montreal Canadiens don't want it to. They want to take it back home for Game 6 on Friday. Tomorrow, face-off show, 5.30, puck drop just after 6. We'll have some overtime open line after the game as well. Canadians at Lightning. Tampa Bay up 3-1 in the best of seven. NBA Finals underway. Two and a half minutes left in the first quarter of Game 1. Phoenix at home, leading Milwaukee 24-20. And baseball tonight, bottom of the seventh, Baltimore up 7-2 on the Blue Jays. Baltimore got five in the fifth to uh, take control of that game. We'll see if the Blue Jays can get something going here in the final couple of innings. A lot of good discussion today. Thanks to everybody who participated by phoning and texting about Duncan Keith, which I'm sure will continue to be a hot topic in this city until there is some sort of resolution as uh, the soon-to-be 38-year-old has two years left on his contract and appears to be ready to head west for the last couple of years of that deal. So the question a lot of people ask, to boil it down to the fewest possible words, is Duncan Keith still a good hockey player? 
Well, let's dive into that with a guy who has seen him play a lot in recent seasons. It is Ben Pope, the beat reporter for the Blackhawks from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ben, welcome to 630 Chad. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, being willing to come on the show because I'm sure you're a, a busy man. So thanks for giving up part of your evening here to talk about a player who... Well, you might not be covering firsthand <laughs> when the puck drops yeah. again in yeah. October. First of all, give, give us your perspective of uh, of the background here and, uh, you know, how this sort of started to percolate with, with Keith actually, you know, I guess making this uh, request and the Hawks looking into it. Yeah, I mean, Keith's name has popped up uh, lightly in trade rumors uh, a few times over the past three or four years. Uh, but nothing's ever really come of it because he has this no movement clause in his contract. So obviously he could control any trade, veto any trade. And up until this point, uh, he's been pretty committed to staying in Chicago. Uh, he spent his whole career since, he, um, you know, since he was drafted with the Hawks. He's won three cups here. He's made a home here. Uh, so he didn't want to leave. And, and certainly he had that power and that control. Um, but uh, now it seems like uh, he's more interested in getting back to Canada with his son getting older. I think his son is eight years old now, and he wasn't able to see him this past season due to the border restrictions. Um, and a lot of the rest of his family, I know he's close with his brother as well, uh, who's a hockey coach in Penticton. And um, so it, it seems like he wants to get closer to his family as now he nears his 38th birthday and, and potentially the last two years of his career. So that seems to be his personal motivation behind, uh, you know, looking into this. Okay, so here's the question, and it's funny, as I was doing the show tonight, I saw somebody tweeted out some Duncan Keith highlights of him getting beat at the blue line and falling down, and, you know, the analytics community says one thing, other people might say something else. Uh, You know, there are people who are high on the intangibles of the experience in the past championships. Look, with the divisions the way they were, I didn't see a lot of Chicago hockey. You saw all of it. Where is Duncan Keith at in terms of his game? And if he became an Oiler, what do you think he would bring? Yeah, I mean, the things you were saying, the arguments on on both sides are fair. I mean, the the Hawks have been pretty much a disaster defensively the past two or three years. Um, So no one has particularly good analytics, good numbers in this system. Even Connor Murphy, who I feel like has been far and away the team's best defenseman the last two years, uh, you know, is well below 50% in, in every category. So it's not like anyone is looking good. And there are a lot of young players who may or may not be NHL caliber at this point who have been getting a lot of minutes, and, and that's contributed to those lower numbers. Um, but to me, I feel like Keith has definitely slowed down from, um, you know, where he was uh, a few years back, even the couple of years after the 2015 Cup run. And he's still handling a lot of minutes, so it, it makes sense that maybe in a, a smaller role, playing 17 minutes instead of 23, uh, he could have a bigger impact. But to me, it just seems like he's his legs have slowed down, his decision-making has slowed down, and uh, he's just not the, the same player he used to be. He was a bit turnover-prone. He, he lost some guys, and he made some good plays too, and, and he was put in a lot of tough situations that a 37-year-old probably shouldn't be in. But uh, I, I feel like his play is is you know not the best at this point well that's fair that's uh, that's i appreciate that perspective because i think that's important for for fans on this side to consider do you think the hawks feel really pressured 
to do something here? And do you think they might have to settle, quote-unquote, in terms of a return? Because I think there are a couple Oilers prospects like Philip Broberg and Evan Bouchard that I don't think the team would be willing to part with. Maybe somebody like Caleb Jones could go the other way. Maybe there's some salary retention. Like, Do you think the Hawks are, are in a bit of a tough spot here where they may not ultimately get what they want if there is a deal? I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't think, you know, it's not like he's been in rumors for years and he wants out desperately and and they're going to have to just make something happen. Um, This has been pretty quick developing, um, and and it seems like Keith uh, is still happy in Chicago. Like, it's not like he won't play for the Hawks anymore. Um, And honestly, we hadn't really even considered that he would be traded to this point, and and if it came up, uh, I don't think the expectation was that the Hawks would get much for him. He's about to turn 38. His cap hit is almost $6 million. His play has declined, as we talked about. I, I think uh, I and a lot of other people would agree that we didn't expect him to be a very valuable asset, potentially even someone that the Hawks might have to you know, get creative to move off the books if they were trying to free up that cap space for someone like Seth Jones or Dougie Hamilton. So if the Hawks could get back, you know, a middle draft pick or sort of a, a mid-range prospect, I know Caleb Jones's name has come up in several conversations I've had. I think that would still be considered a win for them. It's not like they're expecting to get a big return on someone of his age and, and sort of, you know, slowing down career. So I wouldn't say they're really in a tough spot. I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes and the both he and the organization have a really close relationship with each other. So they're going to work together and, and try to figure out something that will make Keith happy and, and also help the organization. And to me, from what I've heard so far, it seems like that, that could be a, a doable task. All right. Ben Pope joining us tonight on Inside Sports, covers the Blackhawks for the Chicago Sun-Times. Want to hit on a couple other things with you here. Uh, this one is, is not as, uh, as frivolous, I guess, as discussing a, a trade scenario. Gary Bettman sort of deflected questions last week when asked about the investigation into the allegations uh, against Brad Aldrich, former video coach for the Hawks, who is uh, accused of sexually abusing a couple players about 11, 12 years ago. Where is this at right now? How um, are the Hawks handling it? Or have they said anything publicly about it? What's going on? No, they have not said anything publicly other than, you know, announcing the investigation a couple weeks ago. Um, And I'm sure the investigation is still in its beginning stages, but we don't really have a timeline. So it's hard to say exactly how far along they might be or if they've even really started of significance yet. Um, The legal case is a little bit easier to follow because those are public records and, and not something that the team and the NHL can kind of keep under wraps. Um, and that, but you know, like, like most things that moves pretty slowly. So the Hawks have moved to dismiss the lawsuits, but, uh, not really arguing the facts of the assault more for, uh, legal reasons that the statute of limitations has expired. And, uh, the, the ex player filing the suit didn't first, uh, file a complaint, um, through, uh, some other Illinois services. Um, so we're seeing how that goes. I know the, 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 the ex player's lawyer, has filed some discovery requests uh, trying to interview, um, you know, current and former team employees and uh, get documents um, relating to potential, you know, communications about the sexual assault that was alleged in 2010. Um, But the Hawks have opposed that motion because the motion to dismiss is still pending. Uh, So we're kind of a little bit in gridlock here in the the court system as 
as often happens. And it's just sort of a waiting game to see exactly where this goes. What makes it interesting for me is that, uh, you know, with the the draft and free agency coming up, the Hawks are going to have to sort of break the silence. You know, Stan Bowman is going to have to talk to the media, going to have to do things in the public eye. So it's going to be really interesting to me uh, to see how the team decides to handle the coverage of, you know, those inevitable hockey events with this backdrop. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And I'll ask you one more. Uh, let's get back to the, what's going on on the ice. We got Tampa Bay and Montreal tomorrow. We got the games here on 630 Chet. The Canadians stayed alive dramatically again. Another overtime victory. Hard to believe Tampa has not won an overtime game this postseason, by the way, with all that firepower. Um, anything really strike you about this year's uh, postseason? I don't know if there's maybe one division you wound up watching uh, more than another with the way things were divided up this year, but uh, Tampa's chasing their second in a row. The Canadians have been a bit of a Cinderella here after falling behind against Toronto. What struck you overall? Um, yeah, I certainly saw a lot of Tampa this year with them being in the central with the Hawks, and they took uh, seven of the eight meetings um, as they did against a lot of teams. i personally feel like they're they might make me forget these words if they somehow lose the next three but uh one of the best uh, teams we've seen in the salary cap nhl um i'm not surprised that they've gone in this run considering what we saw from them in the division in the regular season um yan ruda who is kind of a castaway blackhawk uh, could barely crack the lineup being a, a top four defenseman for a back-to-back Stanley Cup team would be an interesting subplot from the Chicago perspective. But uh, certainly excited for tomorrow night and uh, glad we at least got one more game of hockey after last night's result. Yeah, for sure. Well, Ben, thanks for your perspective on Duncan Keith and some other storylines. We do appreciate it. As I'm sure you can imagine, it's a it's a pretty hot topic here. So you had eyes on them, and we do thank you for tuning in or for checking in tonight with that information. I hope we can do this again, man. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and uh, happy to be back anytime. That is Ben Pope checking in from Chicago, covers the Blackhawks for the Sun-Times. So he kind of broke down what he saw from Duncan Keith, uh, not as fleet a foot as he once was, perhaps not as quick with uh, decision-making as he once was, but still uh, can make some good plays, and that's what makes this so interesting. Now, if he comes to the Edmonton Oilers, he would not be the number one guy, probably a second-pairing left-shot defenseman. And as he referenced, the Blackhawks don't necessarily play the tightest defensive style either, which has hurt Keith's numbers and some of the guys on the team as well. This is a really interesting one. And, you know, I've read a lot of your texts and taken some phone calls tonight and a lot of back and forth on this and people on different sides of it or I would go this far for Keith, but I wouldn't go this far. So th- this is an interesting one. Like I said earlier, I think Ken Holland is very interested. Uh, I think he, uh, quite frankly, I think it's more likely that somehow this gets worked out and Keith does come to Edmonton. But this is going to be a major storyline here for the Oilers in the next few weeks for sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you check in by texting or by calling the hotline presented by Certain Teed professional grade building materials all right 745 we will uh oh my god we're gonna name the animal and maybe some other fun stuff when we get back
going. Some Canadian content. Strange animal. Classic. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has homered for the Blue Jays his 28th of the season. Jays still trail the Orioles, though. 7-3. That's in the middle of the 8th at Camden Yards. Great ballpark. I was there, oh, heck, when was that? 14 years ago now. My goodness, that, that was a fun ballpark for sure. 780-496-0063 is how you get in touch. Victor says if Chicago were to eat $2 million, then sure, trade for Duncan Keith. The $3 million and change cap it would be worth the intangibles. I can't see Chicago doing that, though, so I'd rather look at adding Dougie Hamilton, uh, knocking the young guys down the pecking order, and allow Nurse and Hamilton to be the workhorses, if we're looking at adding five to five and a half million for Keith and probably losing Barry anyway, there's your Hamilton money. Bring back Larson, and we have a pretty formidable top four, and we can let Bouchard work his way in on the third pair. That is from Victor texting in 780-496-0063. Like I said, a lot of uh, really well-thought-out messages tonight about Duncan Keith and, uh, you know, from some from people on different sides of the, the fence for sure. But uh Everybody's thinking about it. It's a fun one to discuss. We'll see how it plays out. Okay, well, we're going to do this. This is uh, really, this. well, this gives my life meaning, quite frankly. It's a little thing we do on Inside Sports. We've been doing it for about six months now. Not every day, thankfully. Uh, yeah. Called Name the Animal. So it's a, it's, it's kind of complicated, so I'll explain it here. So just, if you ever try to grasp this here, Kellen Kennedy, who's back at 630 Chet, goes to the 630 Chet Animal Sanctuary, which is a a sanctuary adjacent to the building, and he either brings an animal in studio or he takes a recorder and tape records the noise an animal makes. And then he's going to play it for me here, or if the animal's there, the animal will make the noise in studio, and I have to guess what animal it is. And I have been relatively unsuccessful in getting these without hints. I believe the only one I got without a hint was walrus. And don't ask me how I got that. I've, I've done okay on a couple of others where I've, I've, I've been able to identify the animal relatively quickly. If you do try to help me, that, that's cool. But I just want to be clear, this is not a contest. You can't win anything. We will try to send you a canned ham. But we can't guarantee that. Um, so I just don't want anybody thinking like, oh, I'm going to win Name the Animal. No, no, there are no winners in Name the Animal. <laughs> Maybe the animals themselves, because they get showcased on, uh, on a radio show with 14 people listening. So that's, that's really the winner, is the animal gets its species noise out there, its sound out there, to uh, 14 people who will then spread it across the region. <laughs> All right. Yes. Kellen, do we have an animal ready to go? Uh, we do. And just a warning for headphones users. You might want to turn it down a bit. I well, have the video it's a, down. It's some loud as, animal. Yeah, it it's is. A, I, I had to oh, kind of jack it up well, a little bit. I'm a headphone bit, user. Am I going to go deaf from listening <laughs> to this animal? It's Can a, you not regulate the sound? <laughs> it's a little we are a shrill. radio station. We should have ways to turn it up. Okay, it's shrill. All right. Well, that's a hint already. Here we go. Sounds like some sort of electronic device. It sounds like a drill. Is it a woodpecker? It is not. I always I always think it's some sort of a bird to begin with. Is it some sort of a bird? 
It is not a bird. Okay, so that rules out there. Is it an anteater? Uh, it is not. Okay, uh, play that again. Can you tell me from this video, is the animal aggressive in a good mood or probably neutral? It's quite grumpy. That is okay. That is a gr whatever animal that is, it's grumpy. Yes. All right. Is it a bat? It is not. Okay. Uh, well, so it doesn't have wings then. Would you like a species? You can give me something very general, sure. Uh, it is a reptile. Oh, is it some sort of a snake? It is not. Well, what else are reptiles? Are lizards reptiles? Uh, they are, but it is not a lizard. Okay, so uh, Dirk and Cochran just wrote in that asking if it's a bat. No, it's not a bat. I got to look up reptiles now. Is it a lar Is it larger than a dog? Is it larger than a medium-sized dog? Oh no, this is this is way smaller than a, a, a medium-sized oh. dog. Could I Even hold it in my dog. hand? Yes. Uh, it's a reptile. Is it some sort of like salamander? Uh, sort of. You kind of close. A chameleon? Is it a chameleon? No, it is not. Uh, all right. Is it, uh, so it's not a snake. Is it some sort of little turtle? It is not. Are you ready for another okay. hint? Yeah, I need another hint okay. for sure. Uh, it sells car insurance in the States. Oh, it's a gecko. It is. So you that's what it. a gecko actually sounds like. He doesn't have a British accent like in the commercials. No, that's a real gecko, yeah. And what had happened okay. was the well, fella in the video uh, had woke it up. So it was sleeping, and he just tapped on it, and it jumped up and he whacked. Was unhappily awoken. Yes. Uh, geckos range from 1.6 centimeters to 60 centimeters, which yeah. I could not hold in my hand. This is a smaller gecko. Well, I actually learned something. Usually... Uh, name the animal just turns out to be a complete train wreck with some comedic value. This was actually educational. There you go. I now know, and every and the 14 people listening to the show know what a gecko sounds like. That is amazing. It reminds me of those old cameras that you used to get all the time that would rewind film. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that, well, I, I, like I said, it sounded like something mechanical, like a, a drill of some sort. Right, okay. right. Well, that's a gecko, everybody. So if that doesn't cap off your Tuesday evening, I don't know what will. I will join you at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon for the Stanley Cup Final Face-Off Show. Play-by-play, -play, Habs Lightning Game 5 will start just after 6, and then we'll have an edition of Stanley Cup Final Overtime Open Line after the game. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Brennan Clack assisting this week with Dave on holidays. And the studio producer, as you just heard, is the animal wrangler himself, Kellen Kennedy. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. My name's Reed. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.